So uh, go ahead and open your notes. We've got some ground to cover today. And we're in our second part of a series we've called Joy Us. And we're honestly, we're just kind of tracking through the book of Philippians. It's just four simple chapters. It's super meaty. It's super rich. There are multiple themes that run through Philippians. And two of them that run parallel and kind of do this little thing together is this, this theme of joy. We see the joy of the Lord. We see rejoice. We see all of these joy words throughout Philippians, not just in one chapter, but it's throughout Philippians. And then it's written to a, an entire group, all the believers in the city of Philippi. Okay, This isn't written to one person. This isn't written to one little family. This is written to a great big us. This is great, a great big, and normally, you would, whenever we would see the word you, we tend to make it real personal. But this is the plural. So we need to read it in West Texas, and all of these yous are y'alls, okay? <laughs> so we're going to have to read it that way. But let's go ahead and, and get into your notes, because <clears throat> we're looking at this concept today that our joy in the Lord, and honestly, it means to be protected and helped to grow to completion. I tell you what, one of the most frustrating things in West Texas is to try to have a pretty yard. You don't understand that pain? In June, you were like, yes, finally. I've had an ugly yard for years. And we've got rain and rain, and it got deep into the roots, and the trees started going to new places, and things were growing. And then we got a little rain in July, and then August, and nothing. And I tell you what, you can take a picture of my yard right now, and you can take a picture of my yard in December, and it won't look any different. It's brown, brown. And so, because with as many people in my household, we go beyond the amount of water that they give you before they start penalizing you. Just to do laundry and take showers and burn it all up. And so it doesn't go to the grass. We need Jesus for the grass. And, uh, and so we're, it's, it's just rough. But then I yeah, go through and, and I drive past and I've got people that, you know, as I'm going through that uh, they have pretty lawns. They dump some, some water into it and some, some money into it, but then there's another piece as they've gone through and got excited in June about all of their stuff and planted some things. And there's this one yard that I go past and it's really pretty and I had to drive past it every day taking the kids to school. It's really lush. It looks like it doesn't belong in San Angelo in August right now. It's, uh, do not want to see their water bill. And... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, but then there's this thing of the heat and just this penetrating, horrible heat. And they have the funniest little things I've ever seen. And they've got these little mini tarps, these little mini tarps with these little sticks. And they stuck them in the ground over these little new plants that they planted in back in June. They were doing great. And then they didn't have the deep enough roots to be good like the established ones. And the tips of them started burning back. So they put a little shade over all of them. So instead of just building one big shade over everything, they got these little bitty tarps over all of these little things, little shade cloth things over it. It looks like some, some little girl went crazy with her Barbies and made a bunch of little outdoor living areas for her Barbies all over this, all over this yard. And there's this place that some, that person had to make a decision. 
Okay? They had to make a decision. Either that they were going to let it go and say, well, it was a good try. You know, that even the, all the water that I'm dumping to this lawn to keep everything that's established going isn't enough and it's just going to burn off and we'll try again some other time. Or they made the decision, we're going to go above and beyond to provide some protection for those that need this. Even other plants in this garden don't need it. When we look at this concept of doing life together, I want us to get deep down inside that we're going to have to understand that there's this place that you and I are going to have to kind of go the extra mile with some of us to protect and to help cultivate some growth in each other. Those who have been walking with God for a long time, the, the Psalms tell us that, you know, he who is who is planted by the streams of water, its roots go down. He don't even need the rain. He's watered by the stream. It's taken Amen. care of, and he's established, and he yields his fruit in due season. But there are those that are new that, man, I'll tell you what, if they're new then, and all of a sudden a little extra pressure comes, and all of a sudden they start to wilt. And the thing we can run into is those who've been doing this for a long time can kind of frown on those and go, man, what's your problem? I'm in the same garden you're in. I'm getting the same amount of water you're getting. I'm doing all right. And here you are wilting. When we need to embrace this thing, we're going to look at it in, this, in Philippians 2, that we're going, to need some, <clears throat> we're going to need some extra help and to on purpose create an environment where everyone can grow. Where everyone can grow. Not just fast growers, not just the ones that are already want to go deep, are deep and go deeper, but all of us. The deep can go deeper and the new can flourish and build those roots that you and I have had time to develop so that all of us can move forward together. And this is so, so vital. And Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. As we look into Philippians 2, we need to understand that our joy in Him is our strength. Anytime we begin to deal with some depression, anytime we begin to deal with some deep discouragement in life, somehow life, ourselves, the enemy has created a wedge between us and the joy that we should have in God. I'm sorry, I've got a little tickle in my throat. You just need to be glad you didn't hear me in worship. My voice was cracking like a 14-year-old asking his babe of the dance, man, that's terrible. My voice may crack some more than yours. Woo! All right, thank you, Jesus. John 15, 11 tells us, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. We talked last week about how one of the greatest challenges to joy is honestly dealing with each other, the us part. You're like, I want the joy, but sometimes the us kind of rubs me the wrong way. I get around people and it taps my joy. It takes it away. And really, the us part should be a source of joy. God has connected us into a body and that each one should be supplying. And when we look at Philippians chapter 2, we see some things about how to keep our joy even in doing life together. And so the first thing is, is in doing life together, it's going to require cultivating a spirit of unity. We're going to have to cultivate a spirit of unity. 
And I tell you what, I don't know your opinion on um, walks to Emmaus. We had some of our guys who were there. My opinion, they're a beautiful thing. And one of my favorite things about the Emmaus walk is you've got people who on Sundays are under all sorts of umbrellas of churches. And you've got all sorts of even theological things. And the whole time is spent on focusing on the grace we have in Jesus. They focused on Jesus and then step off of Jesus for a second. And you know what? I don't care if you're Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist or Catholic or non-denominational or any of these different things. If you are say you're a Christ follower, you know what? We all are on pace that Jesus is our Savior and that his grace is what changes it. Now, you and I can get off on some of the other tangents, and man, and people can get really, really angry at each other. They can get really, really sideways with each other. But when we stay focused on who Jesus is and what he has done for us, I'm telling you that unity is there, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. But in the middle of that, even under the same umbrella and same people who align theologically, you can still get things getting sideways, and Paul addresses this in Philippians 1-2. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, where is our unity found? In Christ. Is that any, any says it's united in theology? No. United in mission? No. No. United in nothing else. You have anything united in with Christ. He is our point of unity. You get off of him, you will be disunity. United to be jacked up. <laughs> if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete. Where is Paul's source of joy? He finds it in the Lord. We already said that. But guess what? As we're the body of Christ, Jesus is not a disembodied head. Okay? We tend to think that. His body's over here and he's over here and somehow these Frankenstein things are going to come together at some point. No, it's already together. Okay? He is the head of the church. He's the head of, the, of his body. So that's why it's so important to be connected. To make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. Where does this like-mindedness come? It comes from being connected with Christ. He's the one with the brain. He's the head. We begin to allow his thoughts to be our thoughts without the way he views. You know what? My, my, my liver probably doesn't give a rip about my hand. Never asked it. You know what? But my head understands and appreciates my hand and my liver and all of the other pieces of me that help me live life. And as soon as we let the mind begin to do it, then all of a sudden we won't have issues with the other parts of the body because the head appreciates them all. And they're so grateful that they're all connected. James 4.1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? It all comes back from that. Lots of that selfishness. It all comes back to that. It always does. Doing life together requires humility and a place of selflessness. It always requires this place of humility and selflessness. One of the things that the church in general is most 
accused of by those who are outside the church as being ultra judgmental. Okay? Now, as we come back, there is a place that the scriptures promised us that there would be a place of division between us and the church. Jesus said that. But he said it was going to be him. That it comes down to it that the only place of division should be that we say that Jesus Christ lived and died and he's, he's the way to heaven. And it shouldn't be any other place. It shouldn't be any other place that we rub people wrong other than that. That we ought to be the, some of the most loving, hardworking, generous, great people to be around. And then when we get down to this thing about what the core of life, then they keep coming back to this Jesus thing. Now, if they want to have offense over Jesus, they can have that. But the problem is, is we continue to get into this judging of each other. And uh, I, I witnessed it firsthand, and people don't mean to do it. Um, but uh, this tooth right here is, is fake. It's not real. And um, I earned that fake tooth by being a jerk in the fourth grade. And foolishly, uh, there was a young lady in front of me going out to some lunch. And I, and I pinched her on the rear. <laughs> as a daddy of as a daddy of girls, I was like, that was wrong. <laughs> it was wrong. And she heard she had a good dad. And that good dad taught her something. And she had the old school lunchbox. Metal. <laughs> metal lunchbox, those little rings that when they move the hand, they can pinch you sometimes. And she had that metal lunchbox and she went around, she busted me right in the mouth. Knocked this tooth. Boom. Out. And uh, my dad was so mad, I was like, I pinched her on the rear. I knew I deserved it. That was wrong. That was horrible. I deserved at least that. And uh, so anyway, so this is fake too. And uh, fast forward multiple years after that, I'm involved in ministry. And um, I'm a, the uh, pastor in training. I was the overseer of the youth and oversaw the, the, the youth. And I was the janitor. So a bunch of my day was cleaning up a really big building that had a Christian school in it. So I was janitoring all the time. I always had trash bags hanging out in my back pocket and just go around and doing all that. But everyone saw me. They didn't see me as the janitor. Somehow when they saw me, you know, with trash bags, all that stuff, they still saw me as this 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 young youth pastor that they liked and were excited about. And, and everybody kind of rounded up on me. And then one day... I was eating an Astro Pop. Y'all remember those Astro Pops, little pointy things? Get real sticky. They got stuck in my teeth. And I got the bottom ones loose and pulled. And my tooth came out. My fake tooth came out inside the Astro Pop. <laughs> and uh, so I was newly married, had a kid on the way, and didn't have dental insurance. And I was like, I'm sorry, babe, but I'm just going to. Look like I'm from the Ozarks for a little bit. <laughs> Sorry if you're from the Ozarks. <laughs> just be say be from Odessa for a little bit. And um, anyways, and so I had I was missing a tooth on the front for a few months, and um, it wasn't that long. It was long enough. <laughs> she didn't tell her anything. I don't all I remember is it was long enough that all of a sudden I started noticing that these people who had known me for a long time started treating me different. People started explaining things to me. They're talking to me slower. And somehow. I, my IQ dropped by about 
40 points. Because of my miss a two. And they already knew me. I understand if you come along and there's a grown man, and I understand maybe that, but they didn't, it's still wrong, but these people knew me. They knew me, they knew who I was. And all of a sudden, just that physical appearance, people's pre-decided things begin to come in and, and begin to taint the interactions. And folks, we can slide into it so, so easy. Praise God, there was a godly dentist in town and he fixed my tooth for 50 bucks. And uh, he got me back and I was smart again. <laughs> and so it is just so important. We, will, we can't let those things come in. We have to have the mind of Christ and begin to deal with each other in a spirit of humility. Because any kind of that judging always comes from us thinking we're better than. It's always it. It's always it. We never treat someone lower as if they're lower unless we think we're above. So when humility all of a sudden brings it down and creates a level playing field for everyone. That's one of the beautiful concepts of us recognizing that we all need Jesus. Some people are broken different than us. Some people are battling issues different than us. But we all need Jesus. All of us. And when we remember that, all of a sudden all of that other junk goes away. We can unite in Christ and things can be tremendously different. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Consider them. That means you're making a decision that they're better than. It doesn't matter if they are or if they're not. You consider them that way. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 8 says, being found in appearance as a man. Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. For him to be silent, for him to allow them to, to penetrate his skin and to, to hang him on, on that cross and to taunt him and to do those different things that he was a son of God. He didn't have to put up with any of that. But for you and I, he did. He humbled himself and allowed himself to go even to the cross. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. We all know the guy in our mind who's full of himself, who's arrogant. Do we really, do we really respect that? The person that carries himself that way, do you really respect them? Is there real honor in your heart towards them? They may have a few things that the carnal nature wants to envy. Well, I wish I had that, that house or that car. That's all carnal. Your real heart, you really honor? No. Who do we honor? We honor those who are loving and, and care and are <clears throat> humble. Those are the ones where, like, man, that's somebody I can really trust. James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Now, the quickest way to jumpstart joy is to get you in line with Christ. Remember that we already talked about that it's that our unity is in Christ. 
So when the disunity comes, it's usually because we're out of line with Christ. We need to get us aligned with Christ. Philippians 2, 5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Being a parent, being a person, you go through life and you recognize that sometimes the kids, sometimes you need an attitude adjustment. They just need it. And that adjustment is to come in line with Christ. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. I love summertime and be able to be out on one of our lakes and get out on a, on a jet ski. And first time I was on a jet ski, I'd never done that. And, and if you're not familiar with jet skis, they, they don't have little rudders on them. They just they turn, but only when you give them power. So there's this little moment when you're first learning that all of a sudden you're going to something that you don't want to hit. And everything within you tells you to take let off of the power and kind of turn away from it. But you have no steering. Nothing. You can't do anything. You're just going to coast right where you were headed. You only steer is under power. So all of a sudden, everything within you tells you to back off. And what you need to do is give it some juice and turn hard. And you'll miss it. You'll miss it. But everything within you tells you to, to back off. See, and in with us as spiritual beings, we don't navigate well, without there being this, this forward motion. We're like a jet ski. We don't steer unless we're under power. The Holy Spirit has to be there and engage with us and moving us forward. And then those adjustments can be made. The truth is, is you can't just coast into joy. You can't just quit pursuing God and go, man, I hope this gets me where I want to go. It's just I hope I end up happy. I hope I end up with some joy. And just coast into it. It doesn't happen. It happens as we engage with what God is doing in our lives. And we allow him to get us in line with who he is and his heart for, for us and his heart for others. Doing life together also requires that we give up our rights. Oh my goodness, this one's a punch in the face. We're Americans. We're Texans. We're West Texans. <laughs> We're some of the most fiercely independent people on the planet. Why? Because we have rights. <laughs> got the right to bear arms. Jump for We got the right to free speech. We got the right to different things. We don't want nobody trampling on our rights. And in dealing with a government, dealing with a governing body that is a that, that has no spirit, that has no thing connected with it, that isn't a person, then we have to understand and deal with it all on those levels. But we cannot let that bleed into how we deal with each other. The United States is not going to heaven. Only people are. Amen. No man-made entity is leaving this planet. So Philippians 2, 6 says, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus could have tried to hold on to his rights as the Son of God, but the only way for us to move forward and for his love and his grace to find his way to us and change our jacked up, messed up lives is for him to give up his rights as the Son of God. Philippians 2.17 says, But even if I be poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul understood. 
He is rejoicing even though he understands his days are limited. That his life is being poured out like a drink offering. There's a death sentence on him. He's locked in prison. We covered that last week. But he finds this joy. He didn't stamp and say, petition the government to get me out of here. He says, you know what? Carry that love. Do what I've done for you. Luke 17, 33 says, he tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. And then the last thing as we close this up, what we want to look at is that doing life together requires us to serve somebody. If you're together and you don't ever make a contribution, you're a leech. God didn't create leech. It's a parasite. God didn't put together a bunch of parasites. He put together a body, everyone functioning. <coughs> and for us to do life together requires that we serve. In fact, there was a study done by the London School of Economics. And when they brought their, their, their work out, they titled it Men's Unpaid Work and Divorce. And they found that as husbands did more work around the house, stuff that didn't produce any income, just doing the dishes, doing the sales thing, as that went up, divorce rates went down. Why? Because to do life together requires that we serve. As we begin to pour into each other, we allow, allows us to do life together. Philippians 2, 7. Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Then to verse 20, he says, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Paul is sending out somebody to oversee them. And see what, let's look at what, Timothy, what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, I have no one like Timothy who can preach. Awesome. He doesn't say, I have no one like Timothy who understands the Bible like so in depth. He doesn't say, I have no one like Timothy who has this incredible leadership skills and this incredible, incredible leadership mantle. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that what he says is that I have no one else who will look out for your welfare like he will. He's the top pick to come and watch over you and take care of you because he'll care about your needs. And being a great public speaker and being a great leader and being a great theologian, none of that matter. He just has an incredible heart of love. Matthew 20, 26 through 27. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Look at verse 29 and 30. He says, Welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give him. This place of selfless service. In fact, Jesus echoes this in John 15, 13. Very well, has no one than this, but that he laid down his friends. As we find this place of joy together, and we get ready to have more togetherness, more people connected with us, and we begin to shift locations and get into that, that bigger facility, that people are going to come in and we're going to create an environment where there's a high humility, low judging environment. 
where we hold up Jesus Christ as the Savior to all mankind and that every person can be reached and grow and mature in him and that every person can move forward from wherever they are in true discipleship is saying yes to him and allowing his Holy Spirit to change us in all the junk that doesn't, doesn't line up with who Christ is, the Holy Spirit deals with. Amen. And we keep let, pointing people to that and making an environment for that to take place. And we'll see the joy of doing life together just grow exponentially. But we want to kill it. We want to take the joy that, of being connected. We look down our nose at each other. We can fault, find fault with each other. And we can poke and prod at each other. And that will sap it all. Because the truth is, is the ultimate joy grows as we love God and we love others. That's where it grows. There's joy found in this thing called us, the body of Christ, all believers. There's this beautiful thing that God wants to do. And it's not just in one or two or people. It's in his body as a whole. We have to connect our hearts with that. I want to create a quiet moment. If you're here this morning, we appreciate the extra time. But if you're here this morning and you're, you're saying, Brandon, I recognize that Jesus is the Savior. I recognize that he is the one. That it's not about what I can do, but it's about what he did. And today I recognize that his death covered my death. And his righteousness be my righteousness. As I place my faith in him. And if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. 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 Thanks, God. Yes. Believers, I want you to just lift your voices for these. Just lift your voices. These are not holy words. What makes them holy is you saying them and mean them. Your ownership is what makes the difference. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. For sending Jesus. And his death covered my death. And his life is now my life. My sins are forgiven. Not based on what I've done, but based on what Jesus did. He paid the price. And today I am your child. And I'm heaven ready because of you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah. 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 We'll have people who are there to pray for you. We've got the Hernandez is over here, the Law Homes over here. And so uh, I want us to uh, to get ready uh, to go out. I want to pray. Uh, want to pray for you. And so uh, just go ahead and stand up. Remember, we've got a business meeting. We'll take about five minutes to let those go that want to go. We have a business meeting. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, you are so amazing. And Father, Lord, we just thank you that you're the one that puts the joy in this thing called us. You're the only one who can unite us. You're the only one that can bring us together. And Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to go out of here. Lord, <clears throat> focus on what it means to be in you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I need you to pause one minute. Real quick.
up and set all this up up here at 645. We've been volunteering together and doing life together. And it's been a beautiful thing watching God work in both of your lives. And uh, as, uh, as God is just moving these things together, I made sure that Papa was good with this. 